This week on the podcast, I'm joined by Nick Bradley. Nick is a successful businessman, having worked in investment, banking and management consultancy for 30 years. He's got a passion for inspiring individuals and businesses to achieve their purpose. He's got a new book out, Zero to Authentic Hero, The Seven Key Steps to Becoming a True Leader. I've had a sneaky peek of this book and it's a compilation of what Nick considers to be the top seven mistakes made by Nick and colleagues and clients when taking their first leadership role. His objective is to help leaders avoid these mistakes by raising the awareness of them, as well as providing strategies that you can put in place to overcome them. I must admit, I see these with leaders that I work with too. So we run through the different aspects of the book and then pick out two that Nick would say are essential areas. Listen in. So welcome back, listeners. As you know, each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stressed out and overwhelmed so that I help you increase your performance and be resilient and thrive in life. And I'm your host, Emma Langton, leadership coach and workplace trainer, helping you and your workforce make the impact that you want in the world. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I just want to share with you that, excitingly, I've been delivering several virtual business boundary workshops to help companies support the issue of blurred boundaries while people are working at home. With so much time at home and the end of the working day is being blurred into home life and many people are struggling to switch off physically and mentally. This also means that lots of people are struggling to be engaged, ready to start the week because weekends have blurred into weekdays. Setting clear boundaries enables everyone to switch off so that they can get the rest that they need so that then when they are at work, they are more productive, happier and healthier. These clear boundaries are also necessary for customers or clients or whoever it is that you're working with. So then it also reduces stress and sets out clear expectation. And this creates respect and improves relationships which all serve to enhance the way that people work. So if you'd like to talk about how that might look for yourself personally or your organisation, then you can either drop me an email to emma at emmalankton.com. There's a link in the show notes. Or head over to my website, emmalankton.com, and you can find the contact page. Send me an email from there or book an appointment straight into my diary to save all of that annoying toing and froing that you can get when we try and get space in diaries. I'd really love to talk to you about that. But of course, remember that if I'm not the right fit, I'm comfortable in saying that too and possibly signpost you to different people who can help. Of course, I am still delivering the workshops on stress, overwhelm, resilience. And we're talking more about resilience in today's show with Nick too. It's a bit of a hot topic. And also providing one-to-one coaching for leaders. So don't forget about that and get in touch if you want to talk. So as I said in the intro, I am excited to have Nick Bradley join me on today's episode. 
Nick is uh, qualified in leadership from the Cranfield University School of Management and also qualified from EMCC and the Association of Business Leadership Coaching. As I said, he's got this new book out. So we talk through this in different aspects. Listen up for some of those key areas that we dig down in a bit more detail too. There's some real valuable areas of information and some key takeaways that I'm sure you will get from today's show. And as ever, if you like this, please do go over and leave a review or share it with friends or colleagues that you think will benefit from it too. So, um, welcome to the show, Nick. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me along, Emma. Really, really pleased to be here to uh, talk to you about uh, what's going on at the moment uh, and share some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot going on at the moment, isn't there? And um, just before recording, we have just been chatting about... um, uh, different things that you do and what's been happening during COVID but but what's quite exciting is the and the reason that I have brought you on is because you've got um, this uh, new book out haven't you the um, Zero to Authentic Hero and I was lucky enough to get a little sneak peek of some of the things that it contains and um, did you want to just to talk about some of those seven chapters and give us a few highlights? Yeah, so the book is Zero to Authentic Hero. It's the seven key steps to become a true leader. And and for me, that's a true true leader is someone who goes through these processes, as I have done in my leadership life, and understands themselves a little bit better and has some new tools in their toolbox that they can operate as a, a leader at a higher level. So the first step is about understanding your own beliefs and your belief system about yourself and about your people around you. Because unless you're going through that with with an open awareness of those beliefs, you're probably operating subconsciously, uh, and that can be destructive at times. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's because obviously we we coach in in, in different areas, but you can get the similar aspects coming out of people. And um, I think a lot of people don't often realize there can be all that sort of unconscious bias stuff that goes on and some of those early uh, belief systems that I talk an awful lot about. There's other podcast episodes and things, but I find it really fascinating when you see people get that realization as well. Do you? For me, it's, that's the light bulb moment. And that's yeah. the thing I really enjoy about my job is, is they go ping and they've realized what they've been thinking subconsciously and how that's been driving their, their actions. And it might be that they've been <coughs> treating some of the team in an overly good way or an overly bad way just because of a belief that's been implanted in them many years previously. It's got nothing to do with the people in the actual team. It's just their belief system. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, like you say, those light bulb moments, you can see it across people's faces as well, can't you? And, you know, and I, I almost, you know, want to do that kind of, you know, fist pump in the air when you go, yes, you know, it's, uh, it's really good. But that's, that's what brings the real reward for me for the work that I do. It's yeah. To see, it's to see those light bulb moments and those people realising what's really been going on. And then they're open to change and to improve the way they're behaving. Uh, and they can get more out of their team as a result. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's ever so good. So, so I interrupted. What else have you got in your seven key steps? So the second step is having a clear purpose. The third that step is leaving your core values. Yeah. The fourth step is improving your skill set. 
because we all have a set of skills, but there's always room to improve them. The fifth step is communicating with clarity. Uh, now, isn't that a hot topic at <laughs> the moment? Absolutely. Um, there is a separate podcast episode where I've certainly given, um, you know, what I think is my advice about that. But aren't we seeing some, let's just call them interesting examples at the minute about the communication and um, I, with clarity and what leaders need to do to communicate as well. I could, I could talk about that for ages. When you see leaders giving confused messaging and different leaders in the same group giving slightly different messaging, you know, the people who are on the receiving end of that communication are going to be confused. And then when you see leaders going against their own messaging and, and acting in a way that's different to how they've told you to act, that loses all credibility, trust and respect. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree with you. Uh, unfortunately, there's still a lot of people, both publicly and, and um, you know, in other organisations that are maybe not quite so public at the moment, but you still see an awful, awful lot of that. Um, it, and it's really interesting, again, when, when you're working with people um, and I kind of, you know, I say to them, well, what, you know, what did you say? How, how do you think that was understood? Um, or something like that, that gives people those realisations of um, that, what we think we know we're talking about is not necessarily what somebody else hears as well, is it? Absolutely. So you have to put yourself in the shoes of the people receiving the communication uh, in order to, to see what the effectiveness of that communication is. And one of the good ways to do that is instead of saying you should do this, it's sort of talking to yourself a minute. You know, would I do this and how would I do that? And why would I do that? Most importantly, instead of just asking somebody to do something, explain to them the bigger picture, how they fit into it and the purpose for why you're asking them to do this thing. And they'll probably be more engaged with it if they can understand that. And they can understand that whilst you're asking them to do something maybe quite small or menial or perhaps trivial, you know, they have a, a, an engagement with the bigger picture. Totally. And I think on, uh, so I, there is a previous podcast episode on that and, and a similar method that I said. And the example that I gave was when I was, um, when I was a chair of governors and we know that schools don't have a lot of funding um and budgets are always always really tight um and they kept getting told you know we can't spend money and we need to save money and we need to save money and they kept getting told that we need to save money because budgets are tight so then when i when i went in and went so budgets are tight and what that means for you is yeah we might need to look at redundancies if we can't manage this budget and then they sat up and listened because that was what's in it for me yes. type thing you know, right. rather than just, here's the state of play. Yeah. Uh, and that's the big that's difference, big isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. You have to put yourself in their shoes. Yeah. yeah. And therefore, you can be communicating with them. And it's best to test drive that, I find, instead of just having a communication and going out to the whole company. It's best to test drive it with a couple of groups and get some feedback. And then you can also improve your delivery or improve the level of information you're providing. And it might be that you just want to go headline level but here's a fact sheet and a Q&A or whatever it is you know, that you, you can go through with more detail. And here's the phone number you can ring or here's the person you can talk to if you have any worries or concerns. Instead of just trying to put it all out once verbally where people don't even remember half of what you say. Yeah, completely. And I love that. Yeah, you know, to um, do a fact sheet or, or whatever steps behind it. Yeah, good. People are going to get gold from this episode. It's brilliant. <laughs> so the, um, the, the, last, the last two steps then are, are living your legacy 
which is instead of building a legacy to leave to somebody else, it's build it while you're there and enjoy it and live in it. And, and you know, instead of saying, I'm going to have a legacy that's going to be in this place in 10 years' time, do it in two years and live with it for a few years and enjoy it. Absolutely. And then the last step is building your resilience, which is highly appropriate right now with all the <laughs> different things being thrown at people, whether they're working or not working or they're at home or whatever it is. So some, just some, the, four, the four gateways of resilience is what I call it. Uh, how you can better understand to build your own personal resilience. And at the end of the book, after all those steps, there's the 100-day plan. So once you've read the book, you've done all the exercises in it, you can build yourself a plan for the next 100 days and repeat that every 100 days going forward and keep refining it and improving it and growing and growing and growing on every 100-day step. Oh, that that's that's ever I love books that have kind of you know got some really good action um steps in them and and having that I kind of usually do like a bit of a 90 day plan in my business but yeah a 100 day plan on your own um improvement and development is is fantastic that, that's a I love that idea actually that's really really good so with you I know that um, you have this passion for inspiring individuals and businesses really to um, achieve their purpose but if you could focus on maybe just one or two chapters on the book, I know that's a bit mean because you've focused on seven, but which one or two would you pick out? The first one I talk about every single time is about having a clear purpose because I believe having a clear purpose then drives so many other activities. And so if you get that right up front, everything else becomes so much easier. And a purpose, purpose for me is not a mission statement in the set of accounts it's not a strategy on the website it's not a poster on the wall that everyone ignores it, a purpose is the reason why you do what you do it's not what you do it's why you do what you do and you have to really hold that pretty close to your chest into your heart to re if you really believe it and if you have a if you're really passionate about your purpose then you'll be able to drive yourself and your business far quicker and far more easily than, than without having a purpose at all. And, and I completely agree. I mean, I, um, two ways. When I'm, when I'm coaching one-to-one -one with people, and in fact, I did this last week with somebody, um, when I, and I said to them, because I do a lot on resilience, obviously, and, um, and I do a lot on boundaries with people, um, and I said to them about um, focusing on their why, and always coming back to that so that you kind of don't deviate off or you're not trying to fight somebody else's corner or you're not getting involved in things that you've not got an opportunity to change. And she said, you know, how did, she asked me, how did you manage to do that? And I said, well, because it, it's always coming back to my why. Hmm. Why am I running my business and why am I doing what I'm doing? And when you're really clear on that, like you say, I like that, hold it really close to your heart. Um, it does keep you on that kind of path and keep you focused completely. Yeah. It absolutely does, but it also helps engage others. So for, let me give you an example. It's the Swedish Road Traffic Safety Agency. I mean, it sounds boring to start with, doesn't it? Yeah. And they're in charge of setting speed limits and measuring the width of the white lines on the roads and putting crash barriers up on all these roads and you know, setting up traffic lights. And, and if you talk to the drivers, they're just bored of this bureaucracy, this administration, which is stopping us from the pleasure of driving. And so they realized that they, when they're putting new laws in place, the public were just ignoring them. 
you know, the, the motor manufacturers were upset, the drivers were upset, the public was upset. So they realized that they needed a clearer purpose. And the clearer purpose of what they do is actually to save lives. Right. When they start communicating the reason why they're putting these restrictions on your driving place is to actually save your life and that of your family. People were a bit more engaged with it. Absolutely. And that taps into one of your other chapters that we've touched on a little bit anyway about the communication as well, doesn't it? So you start with your purpose and you communicate it well and you tell them what's in it for them, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it all flows into the other, doesn't it? And I believe a purpose has to be a very high level thing. It has to be something that's easy to remember, something that you really believe in, and it has to be very positive. I worked with one company who were a startup and they, and their purpose was to make as much money as possible. <laughs> and I kind of go, well, I kind of get that. And I do understand that. And I can see why you might want to do that. But is that going to drive your behaviors in the right way? No, it's not. It's going to drive your behaviors to build something that doesn't necessarily do what you need to do to, you know, just sell to your customers without building a relationship with them. <clears throat> And I don't think that's got a, a huge long longevity to it. Mm. So I sort of said to them, what are you going to do when you've made all this money? Ah, so one of them wants to go and buy a yacht and, and retire and take his family away. So that was his purpose, was to spend time with his family on a yacht. So that was his driver. Someone else's was to give money and go work in a charity and to help other people. So that was their driver. So when you get over the first couple of levels of, of what you think your purpose is, and you get to the real purpose behind it, then you get the emotional connection to it. Yeah, and that's, that's the important bit, isn't it? That emotional connection, like you say. Um, because then when you, everybody's doing things, they're not just doing it because they want to do it, but they're doing it with feeling or, and with that, what would we call it, with passion and, and things like that behind it all, um, which is what is gonna drive the action taking as well, isn't it? Absolutely. and and. It also helps others to engage. When they see you being passionate about your purpose, others are more likely to want to jump on that bandwagon and do something with you. But it, yeah, absolutely. You bring people with you then, don't you? If they think I'm just doing this so you can make a lot of money, it's a very <laughs> different emotional relationship, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Definitely is. Definitely. So I go through a, pur a purpose process to help people get their purpose understand it and communicate it as you say Emma it's, it's the communication of the purpose is very important and once you've got that purpose right you can then build your strategy of what is it we're actually going to do and your vision of what it will look like when we get there yeah yeah so but you have to have your purpose in place first before you can do those strategy of the action steps and the vision is what the results will look like and it's really interesting because um, I have kind of my um, uh, five pillars of resilience when I go through my resilience training that I go in um, and do in companies. Um, and um, one of those is about them having their purpose. And But often I'm talking about some of their purpose might need to align with some of the, the company's kind of purpose and values. Mm -hmm. um, but they need to have the purpose of, you know, what's, what's, what's in it for them with you know when you're going to improve your resilience etc so that sits with mine but you know with yours it sits under a kind of whole separate chapter um which which is really good but it it then does as you say lead into some of those other areas doesn't it yeah absolutely and the values is the next step uh, as you go through the steps in the book as well because having yeah. that agreed set of values 
or behaviors by which you're going to operate keeps everyone on the same tr track but i also have a values contract so i get all the employees in the, in the organization once once everyone has agreed the values together which cannot be imposed from the top they have to be a collaborative uh, piece of work yeah everyone signs a values contract and if they're deemed to have breached one of the values we call it out with respect you know in a sensible yeah. way and just by showing the facts almost the data without any emotion attached to it on this day you did that and i believe that was you know against the values that we'd agreed and if we agree it's against the values then you know we have a th simple three-step process the first step is a verbal warning the second breach of values is a written warning and the third breach of values you're looking to get fired because we have to install values in, in the business and everyone has to be on the same page with that Absolutely. And then, and again, clear, clear, clear communication and a clear purpose is sitting around it and they're all interlinked, aren't they? Yeah. And, and I love so that you get people to sign it because then, you know, they are, it's that collaborative approach, isn't it? And that purpose and those values aren't necessarily for everyone in the business. And some people might choose to go somewhere else mm. and that's okay. But it's also an incredibly good recruitment tool when you can actually say to people this is why we do what we do and this is how we operate these are our values how we operate and this is the process we have when we find people are not operating in the same way that we have all agreed we're going to you know some people who, who buy into those values will be delighted to come and join your business yeah yeah so that's really supportive of the of the kind of brand and um uh, attractability of a company as well isn't it and I'm finding more and more that, you know, I don't like, really like the word millennials, but, you know, people who are under 30, under 35 are actually asking the questions in interviews. So what are your business values and how do you live by them? And, and how, how do you prove that you're living by them? And they're not just words on posters on the wall that look pretty, you know. And, and to have that process that you do and to be able to go around and say, talk to anyone in the business, ask them what the values are and ask them how we operate. And if you can do that and, you know, the majority of people can, can engage with those values and the process by which you operate them then that gives you a lot of comfort that they're going to fit into that business quite easily yeah 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 definitely because the recruitment process is expensive you know and of and it's it's tricky for people to um, leave one company and start another even if they are going with promotions and things like that it's going to be even more tricky now when there's such a lot of um, kind of online interviews and people still starting a company uh, starting a job in a company and but still working from home so they do need to have that's going to be that's going to be really important for places like really important i like that and, and also you don't want to spend the time and money recruiting someone who's not a right fit for your organization well because yeah because they're going to be because then they're going to leave they're going to be disengaged they're going to be potentially disruptive disruptive to what you're trying to do mm. uh, and and they're not going to leave straight away because they're going to go find another job so they, they could be you know doing very little for you or causing trouble for you for 12 months 18 months until they find something else yeah yeah absolutely so it's thinking about that whole bigger picture of the whole thing isn't it but the the seventh step in the book is about building in resilience to what you do yeah and, and part of that is actually planning and scenario testing what might happen in your business and what might happen to your people so you're better prepared before it happens instead of just having to be resilient when it does happen to you does that make sense oh absolutely it's you know instead of so what i've had recently is obviously nobody knew that covid was going to hit and what um and a lot of contracts and a lot of doors closed with uh, what i already had sort of arranged and on the books and when I say to people, no, I do stress and resilience and work-life balance, they were like, but surely everybody needs this. And I'm like, yeah, 
but they're all busy being firefighting. And, and a, 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 but even without COVID, you get a lot of companies that get to that point and they go, oh God, we've realized our staff are not resilient, so what can we do now? But you actually, you need to be in there being really proactive and supportive so that you don't end up firefighting. Because by the time you're at the, we've got a problem, you can't, it's not, it's not, it's not that it's never too late, but you've got more work to do, haven't you? Absolutely. And, and being resilient during that firefighting phase, as you say, is so difficult, frustrating. And I kind of like to ask people, why are you now being able to successfully rise from the ashes without actually asking why you were on fire in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. But the, for me, the, the gateways of resilience, I believe there are four gateways of resilience. And the first one is about your soul. And it, what, is, what does this all mean to you? Yeah. How is it affecting you? And, and whether that be your discussion with your God or somebody you trust or in a business, it might just be your chairman. It's, it's what is it for you for that, at that higher level? And how is it impacting you? And how can you get, get help from that higher level? And that's what feeds the soul. I love that. I love that idea of it. So I usually talk to people about... Um, well, usually I'm looking at kind of what, you know, what is their purpose? But what I'm also saying to them is that I'm usually, I usually go through quite a bit about um, that everybody's perception is different. And so what somebody finds hard or difficult or uncomfortable is not, you know, somebody else will be like, oh, brilliant, let's get our teeth into this or, yeah. you know, or whatever. And it, but it's that recognition as well that, of that difference, you know, but you're right. And it's very personal, isn't it? Yeah, I always use the rugby team analogy for that because I haven't played rugby for so many years. And if you're going to ask a prop forward who's 20 stone and not particularly fast to run down the wing and score a try, it's going to be quite difficult for them. Yeah. If you're going to ask a winger who's, you know, 12 stone skinny, incredibly fast to go into the middle of the scrum and, you know, take the pressure of his, his eight teammates on his shoulders and push in that scrum, it's going to snap them in half. And so you know, different people have different roles. And if you've got the right people in the right roles, who have the right tools and skills to operate in those roles, your, your, the level of resilience required will be lower anyway. Absolutely. And using sport and teams can be really powerful to get people to really kind of get to grips with that idea of, um, you know, different people are suited to different roles. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so the, the, the guy I talked about earlier who wanted to buy a yacht and retire with his family, yeah. I used lots of sailing terminology with them. So the, the, the whole team was the crew. And, and, the, and the crew has got, you know, the captain, which is him. But he's also got a first officer and a bosun. And he's also got people who are pulling ropes and people who are steering and people who are doing lots of other jobs. Plus all the people below deck who are doing the stuff you don't see that without which the boat wouldn't operate anyway. Yeah. And, and so I'm using those sort of analogies for him and his team to, to understand how they all fitted in together. But if they weren't all doing their own jobs, then the boat wouldn't be sailing in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And those analogies can be really, really useful in, in, in the coaching um, in, and training environment for people to really get to grips with uh, that understanding of it, yeah. So we talked about soul as the first of the four mm. gateways. The other three quickly then are your physical gateway. Yeah. So what exercise are you doing? And I'm not saying you all need to be able to go and do 30 miles on your bike or whatever it is. It's what exercise is right for you. 
and just push yourself by 10% above what you're doing at the moment and build something up and get yourself, get your body into a better shape. So you're not worrying about those aches and pains and niggles, or you're not worrying about, you know, accidents that might happen because you, you're not physically fit. The, the third one is about your mental gateway, yeah. which is about educating yourself, training, read a book, get off Netflix, read a book for an hour every day instead, you know, it, it'll do you so much more good for you and, and your, your mental health uh, and also what you can take to the company. Completely. Um, we, um, the, the get off Netflix, you know, and, and I'm usually saying, you know, stop just, you know, doing swipe up or whatever it is with, you know, with the social media and things like that. I, we, um, one of my daughters is, uh, so teenagers, but one of my daughters is dyslexic. Um, and, and the other one is just a quite a social, social media fiend. And, uh, we got the scrap, we got the scrabble board out. Uh, the other nice. way during, during Netflix, um, they did ever so well not to just have a complete meltdown <laughs> before we even did it. We did go in teams um, and they were pleasantly surprised um, at how well they did. And of course, the dyslexic sees things differently. I was, I, we both yeah. said we were usually moving the tiles around to see if we can pick up different words. And she, mm -hmm. um, even though there were some words, she saw some words she was, and then she was kind of going, I'm, I'm not sure if that's all the right letters in all the right order and things, but she saw words that were there um, that, that were different. And, and lockdown has enabled us to do that. We've been, you know, we've sat in the garden, had a barbecue and done some quizzes, you know, and one of them has been the quiz master um, rather than feeling the pressure of uh, answering the questions. Yeah, that's um, quite nice as well, because that's playing to different strengths, isn't it? That's brilliant. Exactly that. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, she's, she's a fantastic reader, but she gets worried about, uh, uh, just gets worried. Yeah. Um, but doing the different strengths, but again, move them off Netflix or films or social media and things and just giving them the opportunity to, and enabling them to just grow and open up ideas as well, isn't it? I'm a, I'm a massive reader, massive. And they laugh at me in the house here because I read everything. They'll say, how do you know that? I went, happen to read it. Because <laughs> um, I, I read all sorts um, and then end up with all sorts of funny bits of different information. And they're like, how do you know this stuff? Because I read. And I tend to find I've always got about three books on the go because I, I can't actually sit and read a book all the way through. Right. But I'll read one for an hour, then a, a different one the next day, as it were. But actually, if they're on a similar subject, and after a couple of weeks, I've read through three books and I've got different perspectives on it, yeah. different views or opinions or different ways to, to do whatever it is they're talking about, I can form my own rounded view of how I want to approach that and not just be told by somebody else. And, and then I buy into that much more than I would do by saying, okay, so, so, selling this book, you must do it. So, yeah, even with this book of mine, read it and read other books and form your own view. Absolutely. And it's about, you know, I call it like, like you know, magpieing because you just pick up bits yeah. from one place, exactly. bits from another, and then apply that to yourself or, or to your business, or to your company or even to your team about what bit suits you and what works for you. But yeah, I, you know, I like that. What the else last, is there? The last gateway is about social. It's the social gateway. Yeah. And that's probably been the most difficult one over the last three months. But it's great now, you know, as, as, soon, as, as soon as lockdown happened, I put on a weekly call for all, all my clients just to sit there together with a cup of tea and just talk about what was going on. Then we also have a weekly call for all the guys at the rugby club. Uh, and, then, and then over the weeks, someone said, oh, I'll do a quiz night.
right? And someone else is going to do something else, and someone else is bringing their guitar and they're doing songs and stuff. So it's just that social element that we've been trying to maintain through the last three months, and which I think you must maintain all the way through. Uh, and, and actually, it's brought me closer to some old friends who I'd normally only see with the kids every six months or so. We're now jumping on a Zoom call with a, with a beer every couple of weeks. Uh, and, and it's quite good. And I think that's a really good thing to maintain, even when we do start to see each other more socially. We do go to the pub more often. You tend to only go with that small, same small group. But actually, there are other friends or other people or mentors or coaches that you can talk to going forward who can help you in different ways as well. Completely. We were talking about the same at the weekend because um, we've there's a kind of group of um, uh, rugby friends again, where rugby league, um, and they've been, we've been zooming on a Saturday night every week. And I said, you know, ordinarily we wouldn't have spoken every week, but it might have been it might have been at a match, but that might be a lot lot limited. But the actual sort of social outside of a match get together um maybe would have happened only once every two to three months and yet they've been doing it every week and this is one of the things that i've been talking to people about when i have been doing the training because you've got people that um are kind of on their own or they're extroverts and, and they're saying that they're missing social connection um, and interestingly, on the last one that I did uh, for a company, and I said, yes, you're missing social connection, but every single one of you has got your camera off mm. on this piece of training. Interesting. Yeah. You know, um, so just did a little bit to explain to them about the power of actual, I know people are saying, oh, I'm getting zoomed out and things, but that power of connection where you do look in somebody's eyes, you do, you know, what we, the recognition that we get from different facial expressions, different body language, um, you know, I talk with my hands all the time um, that people don't see on the podcast, but they do on, on, on Zoom and video and things. And but that you get all of that stuff. You get that somebody's smiling you, and you see all of that and you miss it if you don't actually just kind of stop everything else and do those connection bits. So I, I was really encouraging people that were saying I'm missing social contact to say, yeah, we all are, but there's ways that you can step up and get the very best out of some of these video connections that um, to get as much as you can so that the gap that you're missing is kind of smaller in Absolutely. that way. I totally agree with you. And, and it's so simple. Instead of just ringing someone, just use WhatsApp video. You know, yeah. you don't have to organise a Zoom meeting. You can just ring them uh, or FaceTime them or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, it's just so easy to do. And, and, but also, I agree that some people are getting Zoomed out. You can keep the conversation short. So I always used to have hour-long meetings. And I don't know why, but they were always an hour long. And I decided just to cut that to 45 minutes. Because mm -hmm. if you can't do what you're going to do in 45 minutes, then you're sort of wasting the rest of the hour. And it also gives time for people to get a cup of tea or go for a, a, a step in the garden or check the kids on the homeschooling or whatever it is. Uh, and so all the meetings I have now are 45 minutes max. That's, that's more than enough. Yeah. And, and then that, that kind of gap in between. Yeah, absolutely. And we can keep it more concise. And plus, you know, we haven't got the come into the room, let's get settled down and things like that. Or then sort of gather up your stuff and, 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 and leave the room, uh, you know, leave the meeting room and things like that. You haven't got all of that to do as well. So when you when your Zoom starts, you're kind of there and ready. So you haven't got that, that, that kind of settling down bit at the beginning. So, yeah, you can condense them quite a lot. That's, um, so the four gateways for resilience, for me at least, are soul, physical, mental, 
and social. Yeah. And it's all about balance between the four of them. Don't just go and exercise all the time. Um, don't just go and read a book all the time, as it were. Get the right balance, whatever that balance is for you. It might not be 25% across all four, but whatever that right balance is for you. Uh, and find that balance and that will really help you with your resilience through these difficult times. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. As, a, as an avid fan of uh, resilience and having those core aspects that are going to help really, really improve it. I think the other thing is that people t kind of tend to know this, but they think that just because they know it, that it's happening. And the other bit I think is about making... Yeah, you like you say, it doesn't have to be 25% on all of them, but making sure that you are doing these things rather than just knowing about them and thinking about them. You have to actually do them, don't you? Um, and I think people are forgetting that. But with lockdown, I think some people, it's, it's helped them to kind of set time and be able to do that. And with other people, um, you know, it's maybe stopped because they've had to find different ways to get some of those aspects of it, yeah. And I worked with one business development director, a lady called Helen, and, and she was busy doing a master's degree and changing job at the same time. So in terms of her, uh, her mentor, you know, she was being really, really busy and learning new stuff, both in terms of the new job and, and the master's degree. But that was all she was doing. And she wasn't doing as much exercise as she wanted to do. Yeah. She certainly wasn't spending as much time with the kids as she wanted to do. So she built a different plan where she would spend a bit, a bit less time studying. And I think she put, she put the masters back a year because there was so much else going on so that she could spend more time with the kids. She could spend more time exercising, which, which made her feel good and gave her better resilience anyway, both yeah. mental and physical in a way. Uh, and, and she could focus on that first three to six months in her new job, which was always going to be quite pressured anyway, especially in a business development role where you're expected to be bringing in the money on day one. Uh, and then and over the course of the next year, she got through all the things and completed her master successfully as well. And it was just about getting that balance right. Yeah, completely. I'm massive about, about having that balance. And some of it as well is giving people either the space or the permission to, to look at and think about doing things differently rather than just keeping doing the kind of same thing and trying to just do more uh, of the different stuff and not doing any of it particularly well. Yeah, that's, that's busy fool's syndrome though, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, often, yeah. often. More and more of the same. Uh, quite similar. It's work smarter, not harder, isn't it? It's, it's a bit yeah, hard. which uh, yeah, which I'm, I'm, I often talk about really, and and even had conversations with people about, um, so that we need to kind of talk to people that are uh, leaders or board level in a business to kind of educate them about, um you know, why just pushing people to kind of do more, do more, do more is conversations I've had recently. That's not always going to be the most effective. And like you said, with that brilliant example, actually, of a one specific person, um, that's exactly it. But sometimes I'm having to educate board level people that, you know, so that they, that can flow down through the companies that they have. Well, it's also um, do more of what we've always done. As <laughs> yeah. of a new way of doing it and innovating in your processes or your procedures or bringing in technology to take away a lot of the, a lot of the pain points so that people can focus on doing more of the, the big benefit stuff and all the detailed stuff can be done by technology. Yeah, absolutely. There's, all, there's always different ways. And with the way technology is um, progressing all of the time now, there's, there's always an opportunity to look and say, you know, can technology do something for me in this? Absolutely. 
Absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, people are a little bit reluctant to do that because it's, they know what they know. So do more of what you know. Actually, take a, take a step back, talk to the people who are doing the job and ask them how they think they could do something different because they're the ones who are going to know. They're at the coalface. And they'll say, well, actually, I've been doing this for a year now and we're getting nowhere with it. Why am I doing it? You know, I, I did that when I first started very early in my career. I had to do this weekly return to head office. For, yeah. for anyone who'd moved uh, a certain amount of money in or out of the bank. And I was in a small branch and no one ever took a million pounds of cash out in my branch. And I had to do this report. And it was a nil return every week, every week, every week. And I just said, why are we doing this? And actually they realized that it was a waste of time. Yeah. And so therefore it was just done by exception. In fact, if you ever do get a request for a million, just let us know. And that's okay. <laughs> and, and then just cut, they cut all that you know, bureaucracy out and change yeah. processes, you know, make them slicker, use some technology, allow the people to have the time to do what you want them to do. And they'll do it better, they'll do it with passion, and they'll spend more time with their customers or, or you know, their clients or their suppliers. Uh, and you'll get a better relationship there in the long run too. Absolutely. That sums it all up very nicely there, Nick. Thank you. So if people wanted to get in touch with you or... Um, no more or find your book where can they go the website is mandalaleaders.com yeah uh, and there's a shop there the, the, the ebook is downloadable for free help yourself please do uh, and for everyone who downloads that ebook we're setting up a series of uh, 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 webinars and zoom calls so we can have a fortnightly help you through the book so if you're getting stuck on a step or you just want to talk about it or you haven't quite got clarity on your purpose or whatever it is, we can have an open forum every fortnight going forward uh, for all those people to just put their hand up and say, give me a little bit of help with this. And it might be that someone else has done that step. It might be that someone else can put their contribution in as well. So it's not all just about me telling you the process and what you need to do, but it's about other people who've read the book, other leaders who want to help other leaders to uh, help and support each other through the process. Which is part of one of your steps, isn't it? About who you're connected with. That's absolutely fantastic. So I will put all of the links in the show notes for all of the listeners. So it just leaves me to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that. It's been a lovely chat. Well, it's been brilliant to be here, Emma. Thank you so much for inviting me. I do love, I can probably tell, I'm quite passionate about having a purpose in the business. Uh, and I just yeah. hope that some people pick up on this and I uh, hope they can uh, get some benefit from the materials. Yeah, absolutely. I'm aligned with everything uh, that you're saying in it. So yeah, we're on the same page. That's fantastic. And yes, if we can just keep getting the message out there to different people, then hopefully we can, uh, we can keep sharing that message about purpose is important as well. Absolutely. Brilliant, Emma. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, wasn't that wonderful? I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed spending time talking to Nick about his book. Don't forget... The links are in the show notes where you can go and get a free copy of his book and do, of course, share this with people, leave a review, and then I'll see you again in the next episode. Bye for now.